0: Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It's a Monday, November 14th edition of the show. And Jake, just like how the holidays are slowly but surely coming upon us, uh, we're slowly but surely approaching a an inflection point in this duck season where we have to decide what we think about this team.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a hard point where there's no nuance left afterwards, right? Once once they hit the 20 game marks, it, it, it it's do or die. No changes can happen.
0: Yeah, and I think that today is going to be kind of a, a business-like feel to this show because we're really, I think, the way things have gone in the last week where the Ducks only played two games. Yeah. People feel, people are upset. This this team has not won in regulation It through 15 mm-hmm. games. Things are not looking particularly great. And... People want to know, like, what the heck is going on? And I think it's it's our duty here to, to unpack that, to give our honest takes. Yep. And I think one thing I want to note is that we're 15 games into the season, which is what, about 20% of the way? It's 18% of the way. Yep. So it's still not this crazy sample. It's still not kind of what you would like to see in no. terms of, but it, it's starting like the thing now is that there's been enough time where at least you can get some sense of of, of, a, of a true trend with whatever's going on doesn't mean that that trend will continue doesn't really yeah. mean anything spinning it mean, forward but at least you can say something about what's going on just you, descriptively
1: you can look at the ducks last year and granted part of it covid related things like that but if you look at the ducks last year they were actually really good in 2021. Um, in the 21-22 season throughout the 2021 period of that. And then once the clock turned in January, they started really falling off a cliff. And part of it had to do with guys getting in and out of the lineup due to COVID. And then goaltending fell off a cliff and there were a whole lot of things that happened. But that just kind of goes to show you that things can change on a dime because they were in a good spot and then fell out of it all completely and ended up with the 10th overall pick. And so, I think for the good and bad of things, things can change. Teams can improve throughout the season. Um, But I think, what is it, Elliot Friedman has American Thanksgiving as the mark where he tracks it for most of the time, and most of the time teams that aren't in the playoffs come that time don't make it in. And I don't think that's necessarily due to those teams being good or bad. I think it's just due to it's hard to to make up games um, and make up points in this league. Um, as a result of the three-point games that there are. And so I think the biggest thing from the 20-game mark that I think you and I would both agree on this, right? And I wrote this article for the Sporting Tribune um, a couple weeks back. But the thing with those first co- the first 10 games or so, right, they were playing really tough teams. And so the point for optimism was after 20 games, that would kind of even itself out. And they would be playing teams that were more so of their own ilk. They would have a larger sample size where they weren't just playing the top teams in the league, but they were also playing teams that were a little bit weaker, maybe on the same standing as them. And I think the frustrating thing as we're starting to approach that 20-game mark is that at the 15-game mark, they've outplayed one of those teams. Or let's say two. They outplayed the Red Wings at 5-on-5 in Detroit, and they outplayed the Blackhawks on Sunday. Which, by the way... That game against the Blackhawks, and we should display a little positivity because this podcast is going to kind of be all over the place, talking about things that need to change, things that are issues, all this different type of stuff. But they played really well against the Blackhawks, and they just got hockeyed. And if they play that game 10 more times, they win nine of those. They played an absolutely fantastic game. Anthony Stolarz probably should have the first goal, and the other two goals just happen on weird breaks. Zegers ends up blocking a shot, drops a stick, puck goes right to the guy that he was on on the rebound. Um, and then the third goal is just that weird ba- weird break and the Ducks hit so many posts like that is a very very good game that that team played and now part of that has to do with the fact that they're playing the Chicago Blackhawks who are a team that are employing Jack Johnson by choice this year um, and going out of their way to, to ice a team that is not meant to be good and I think the Ducks will get into this are actually trying to ice a team that isn't horrible and it showed between those two teams and I think but You have to give them some credit in that game also where I think having rewatched the game because I wasn't able to watch it on Saturday. And so on Sunday, I kind of watched it a little bit more breaking down, stopping and starting as I was going because it wasn't live. And one of the things that really stood out, especially in that first period, was that they were applying constant pressure to the Blackhawks. It wasn't a situation where the Blackhawks were just turning the puck over with no pressure. It was a a bad team just giving the puck up. The Ducks were forcing the turnovers in those games. And that was something that we haven't necessarily seen from this Ducks team uh, of getting in on the forecheck, both in the offensive and defensive zone, actually, with applying that pressure and creating the turnover to push play in the other direction. And I think that that deserves a lot of credit because that's not something we've seen. And now the big thing is, can they produce that same type of game against teams that are better than the Blackhawks? Did you say Stolarz should have had the first goal? Yeah, he bites a little hard on it, going to his right. Okay, you're gonna disagree with me. I mean, that's I
0: don't know if you can blame a, a guy when it's fine, a non-man rush, a perfect play by the forward to pull it back against the grain. It
1: wasn't a forward; it was Jared Tenordi. Or
0: yeah, sorry, by the by, the attacking player. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you can blame Gibson or uh, he, blame Stoller. He
1: bites there. a bit. He bites a bit hard there. That's my biggest thing. He bites. Going I mean, to that's his right.
0: that's one of the hardest plays to defend Fair. as a goalie. Fair. Okay, like, I'll give you that. I just don't think you can blame stallers there. Okay. Um anyway, I want to say this though cuz you yeah. brought up Thanksgiving. Can we give turkey a little respect at the Thanksgiving wait, table? Wait, wait, wait. Aren't you the one that's like rallied against no, the, against I'm, turkey? You know, I'm I'm going to turn 30 in a week and I've decided that with with old age comes wisdom and I think we need to show a little respect to turkey. Wait. No, 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 no. Wait. Weren't I'm, you the I'm, one that... I'm leg- flip-flopping. I'm flip-flopping on turkey. Didn't you say that turkey lunch meat is the worst lunch meat? Oh, yeah, like deli turkey. I'm talking about, like, the whole, you know, the real McCoy. Oh, okay. The Big Bird. I mean,
1: it's all good. I mean, a turkey sandwich also with, with tur- leftovers from Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, so Like, good.
0: actual turkey meat is good. Like, the, the, the deli stuff I, I could do without. Anyway, I just want to say that people have been hating on, on turkey for a long time, including myself. But it's a tradition you know it's fun it's fun that we all get to do this together <laughs> indulge over this 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 giant beast and if you like something else if you like something better guess what there's 364 other days of the year where you can eat that thing you've got one day for turkey just enjoy it i mean that's, turkey's that's
1: good ham's good prime rib's good all of it's good on we,
0: Thanksgiving. we we've got to start like enjoying traditions i think I think that I think it's it's in vogue to say, oh, this thing is bad because whatever. We always have it, but you know what? Do do what you want the rest of the time. Let's bond sure. over this. Let's bond over this dry, <laughs> this dry turkey breast meat or whatever. Um, it's okay. It's okay. That's that's part of the that that's part of the fun. Okay. This
1: came out of nowhere, but okay, go on. No, go it's off. been
0: going on in our Discord, and I I was just triggered by it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's uh let's get back to the back to the actual topic du jour and that's this team and what to make of it and i want to shoot something down quickly systematically and in in a level-headed way that there's a lot of people and i think this is an annoyance of listeners of ours is always complaining about twitter mentions and what replies but it's a way for us to at least gauge how people are viewing the team how people are reacting to what's going on yeah and
1: it gives us a a finger on the pulse of kind of what the general exactly is thinking
0: and one of the biggest things that's going on is people are saying oh well look this team is tanking this team is trying to be bad how could we not have seen this coming this is all just a, a giant tank job and Jake, tell us why that's not the case or why you think that's not the case.
1: Well, I mean, just look at the two teams that were on the ice on Sunday. I, there, there's your clearest example between the two teams. And, and look at the guys that were out there. And you look at what the two teams did in the offseason. And you, while these may not have been, like, the biggest big-name signings ever, but getting Ryan Strom, getting Frank Vetrano, getting John Klingberg, getting... Uh, Getting um, Kulikov. Kulikov. I almost yeah. said uh, I almost said Kubelik. I was like, nope, nope, not that player. <laughs> they almost uh, did, I get, I did, Yeah, uh, but getting Kulikov. Those are four pretty decent-sized signings or, or guys to go trade for, signings, things like that, to upend your roster. That's four of your 18 players right there on the ice that you just went and changed right away. And um, that's not insignificant. And here's the thing is, if the Ducks were truly tanking, right? And I think that this is something that everyone needs to kind of understand what an actual tank is as compared to what this is. This was, if you want to say this was Pat Verbeek understanding his team wasn't going to be good, but he wanted to fill it in with some veterans. Um, That's fair. I think that that's a valid point. But tanking is going out signing Jack Johnson, like I said. It's going out and trading for guys that... um, that are in poor, a negative value contract to get assets back. And while they may not be good players anymore, you're just going to ice them on your lineup because they're just a, a a, repl- a body. Basically they're a replacement level player, worse than a replacement level player. You have no care in the world about what your team is. And you're also trading away guys that are getting close to their prime for future assets. Right. That is I, the that is the key thing and the key difference between tanking and what the ducks are doing. I guess is, it, it,
0: if the if the ducks were trying to to be bad, why would they have signed some of these players?
1: Yes, and if they were trying to be bad, and this is I, this is definitely a stretch, and I admit that, but why wouldn't they look to trade Troy Terry right now? Because well, that is that is exactly what the Blackhawks did signing yeah. or trading Alex DeBrink They traded Kirby Doc. Like they're understanding they're going for Bedard, building around that window. If the Ducks were in that mode. They would be looking to trade those types of guys and build around the. Zegers that's a teardown. That that's that's a full
0: teardown. Is if you're Fair. if you're tra- if you're yes no no I'm agreeing with you like yes. if you're trading t- Troy Terry, if maybe you're moving on from some other of the younger, the young veterans we'll call them, then yeah it, it shows that you're really starting over. I mean mm-hmm. the, the the Blackhawks moved on from Kirby Doc who was a third overall pick not too long ago. Same and, same
1: draft as Trevor Zegers twenty one right.
0: Now. And, you know, different circumstance. The point, though, is that they've fully bought into this this kind of future window, whereas the Ducks, if they really thought that that's where they were or, or where they are, sorry, then it doesn't make sense for me to bring in especially a guy like, let's say, a Strom and I know mm-hmm. they have to spend money, but bring in a Strom, a Vetrano,
1: a, a Kulikov,
0: because these are all slots that they could have conceivably filled with younger guys or AHL guys. Like, they didn't have to bring in this level of talent. They could have just said, okay, we're going to be bad and we're going to see what we have in our in our system. Instead though, like by bringing in a Klingberg, by bringing a Kulikov, you are pushing up the floor of what your team can be. And mm-hmm. right now that's kind of a a tough well, take to, to, to stand on but
1: that's the truth and we saw that with projection models right even the projection models did not have the ducks in the basement they had the ducks kind of in the 84 85 point range and the ducks currently i think are on pace for like 50 some odd 60 some odd points like this is way worse than any sort of model any sort of things had them projected and deuce in our youtube chat brings up kind of to me specifically, if you were serious, if the Ducks were serious about winning, why would Dallas Eakins still be the head coach of the team? Well, that's we'll get to that. Yeah, and I we'll think get, that we'll get
0: it. to we'll get to the coach.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll leave that off. And I, I think there is a point where B Doll is bringing up that the Ducks have younger players and picks, so they don't need to trade Terry to start a rebuild, unlike the Blackhawks. But the Blackhawks have some of those. They had Kirby Doc. Like maybe Doc wasn't panning out in the same way that Trevor Zegris was, but twenty-one year old young player. Well, and, and Alex
0: Debrinket, I think, is your better comparable there. Because yeah. s- similar age range to Terry, one year until his contract is up, mm-hmm. right? And so, yep. and I believe,
1: is he a, UF is, was Debrinket a UFA? No. He was going to be, I think he was an RFA, but it was going to be a UFA soon after that.
0: Yeah. And so, with, with Terry, it's kind of similar. Like, if you really wanted to tear it down, that's kind of like, you're selling a guy at peak value. Mm-hmm. And so...
1: I just and, don't. and to be clear, I mm-hmm. don't think the Ducks should trade Tro- Troy Terry. Well, that's what that we, is We not, can
0: we can get to that too. Yeah. But I think just to present kind of the other side of this. Like that
1: is what a true tank is. I think that,
0: that yeah. Well, that's what it is. Is is you're you're not making moves to kind of fill in on the uh on the margins. You're just kind of floating, bringing in some bodies, seeing what you have in the minor league system. The Ducks have some of the best prospects in in the NHL. So yeah. once those guys come of age, this is going to look a lot different. But right now we're seeing kind of the, the before picture in yeah. that where they're still relying on these kind of Murray-era guys in the bottom six. Um, but the other side of this to me is that when we saw Pat Verbeek go out and get John Klingberg, for example, which to me is kind of the touchstone of all this, is that mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that we lauded it for is that it gave Verbeek flexibility that if things didn't go well, mm-hmm. you can still trade him, And which I think,
1: always was a possibility, right? And it's
0: and, the, and it's and it's true also with Dmitry Kulikov, who's who's a UFA after the season. So right now, I think where I would stand on what I said in the preseason and, and people being really upset about some of the optimism is that I think we maybe didn't appreciate as much that these moves that Verbeek were making were maybe also kind of a hedge where it's like, hey, like, I can have it both ways here. Yeah, I think maybe maybe we undersold that aspect of it, because you can see it in the moves that he has that safety net if things go wrong. And maybe we didn't sell that enough. But still, these are just Mm -hmm. these are just categorically not moves that you make if you don't want to be more competitive
1: than you were before. It just it just doesn't add up. Yeah, exactly. And so, because if you don't want to be competitive, you're signing guys that are negative value deals, bringing in guys negative value. Deals. Yeah, I mean you do cool, what the cool. Canadians did, which is you bring in just kind of a hodgepodge of guys like Sean
0: Monahan, right? You try yeah. to rehab his value. Mike Hoffman, who they didn't get last year, but they're they're playing him on the top line, or they have been playing him in, in a big role to try to try to eventually trade him, right? Like the Ducks aren't doing that. They're they're playing their their bigger contract guys, their young players, their newer contract well, guys in top roles, like. They're not propping up anyone that they're trying to trade, except arguably John Klinkberg, who
1: may extend with the Ducks. We don't know yet. And also, I mean, realistically, if this team was in that mode, right, if that was Poverbeek's intent, there are two things that would be happening with one Mason McTavish. And I think this is the real touchstone of all of this, right? Either you send him back to Junior for one more go of it because you don't want to have him involved in that type of season, or you kind of talk to your coach and explain this is where you're at and play him in all situations, play him in all situations, play him along with Seagrass everywhere. And don't worry about kind of putting him in these little, little roles. The season's about their development. It's not about the, the team and wins and losses. That is like to a T, not what the ducks are doing with Mason yeah. McTavish. Yeah. That is not what Dallas Akins is doing at all. Playing him on the fourth line wing is something that a coach does if he is trying... And granted, coaches don't tank, GMs do. That's something we, we've gone on Yeah, about co- about. coach,
0: there's no, there's no benefit for no, a coach to try to a, lose. A,
1: a coach would be given some sort of decree, probably from a general well, manager that... Again,
0: you should- the comp is going to keep coming up, but the, look at Martin St. Louis, right? He yeah. knows this season's about development, coaching yes. in that way.
1: So you play a guy in a more elevated role. Whereas a coach that's trying to win and has this young guy on his roster he plays him in these roles cause he doesn't trust him yet because he is 19 years old. And, and so he's playing him on fourth line ring with fourth line wing with Glenn Godin and, and Leeson. And, and those are not, those are not situations that are indicative of a team that's trying to be bad. I think that, yeah. I think that honestly though, that maybe can make people, some people even more angry because they're unintentionally bad right now. Well, yeah. Um,
0: and, and I think that that's, I think the McTavish point is a good one because if, if the ducks were truly and i think honestly tanking is the wrong way to look at it sometimes i think that what you look at what the quote-unquote tanking teams do is they're developing their younger players they're playing them in elevated roles and they're trying to recoup value for for veterans that they've mm-hmm. taken on or that they've had hanging around and the ducks aren't doing any of that because like you said mason mctavish is playing like Mason McTavish is barely in this lineup right now. He's playing less than 10 minutes, some nights. He's playing on the fourth line with guys who don't do anything for his skill set. Like he's a natural center. And Glenn Godden, who is a career AHLer, is playing center over him on the same line. Like, yeah. <laughs> like imagine that. Imagine you have one of the best prospects this franchise has had in years, which is saying a lot because they've had a lot of great ones. Mm-hmm. And he looks every bit the NHL ready when you give him the opportunity and not only do you play him on the fourth line but you also don't play him at his natural position in favor of a career AHLer. or like that's why again if the ducks were truly trying to retool and develop th- then this would be a failed job at it because yeah. mctavish would be playing in, in the top six and they would be yeah. living with whatever kind of hiccups he's having as a 19 year old
1: yep and so i think kind of that turns the conversation though of This is where they are, though, now. There's no... We're 15 games in. They are where they are at this point, whether it was an intentional tank, like some people want to say, or it's what you and I are saying, which is, I think, what you and I view as kind of the more rational... I think they're trying to win. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But... failing at it.
1: (laughs) Where do they go from here? And I think that that is the, the big point. Last week, we really tried to say, how do you fix the Ducks? But where do they go from here as a team this season? Because... We talked about it, right? Once you hit the twenty game mark, that's when things kind of start going downhill. And so, if it's really kind of looking bleak, and I think Hockey Viz has them at eleven percent chance to make the playoffs right now. Something. Along yeah, those as lines. of this
0: weekend, which yeah. it probably went down after. So after Sunday's wh- loss,
1: what should they do? Where do they go? And I think the biggest thing is uh, Deuce, Deuce mentioned this in our YouTube chat. But Verbeek needs Akins to prioritize development over trying to win games now. Well, and I, I think get, that uh, yeah, I think with the roster that they have, you can kind of. You can kind of do both, right? Because once you start focusing on those development and you stop caring so much about playing the guys that and I that Dallas Aikens views as critical to win games, the team is going to end up being better and playing better as a result of that. Playing Mason McTavish as your second line center is going to be better. Calling up a, uh, a Jacob Pro or Braden Tracy to see what you have is going to be better than probably what they have now. There was actually, I. Mention this almost every week now because the PDO cast is just on a complete burner right now in a good way. Um, But Jack Khan on there had said, and they they mentioned this a bunch, but so many NHL coaches get stuck in their way of Mm. playing these bad players but because they know what they are and they aren't willing to give younger players a chance because they could be bad. Yeah.
0: It's like like you'd, you'd, you'd rather play the guy that you know is bad versus a guy who could be bad. Yeah which is just such an odd, but I mean, that's not how they're exactly thinking about it, but that's, that's that is is
1: what it comes down to though, is that they're playing these safe players that are in their head are not going to make up, make these bad chances or give up these bad chances against things like that. And they're going to be these more safe players and doing that overplaying these guys that might be a little bit more high risk that might give up bigger chances against, but they're going to develop. They're going to get you plays going the other way and going to play in a way that is going to help you in the long term.
0: Well, so before we go on the where we go from here, though, I'd be curious to know, like, who are those guys, though, on this on this team right now? Like, who are the safe players that are being propped up by Akins? Because to me, like, honestly, the guy that comes to mind is Ryan Strom. Like, I think Ryan Strom yep. and I can't totally blame Akins because the team just made a, you know, a, a significant commitment to him and lauded his leadership and all of that. And he was brought in, I think, to be the 2C but it's just not working out for whatever reason. And they're just kind of refusing to try anything else. Like he he's been penciled in to that second center spot, second line center spot. And it just, they're not budging on it. And uh, I think that's your example because outside of that, like in the bottom six, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are safe and that we know are not really the best, but there aren't really alternatives outside of guys in the minors who, you know, like that's not really on the coach to kind of, seek that out at that point. So to me, Ryan Strom is, and I hate to like pin it on him because it, I'm not saying he's a scapegoat. It's just, he's representative, I think of what's going well, wrong, where I it's like, Akins is just refusing to to budge on something that's just not working.
1: I think both him and Vitrano right? You could I even
0: that, say Lundestrom if you wanted to.
1: Well, I think it's just the, the misunderstanding of what you have on your roster in terms of outside of the top line. And even with that top line, a misunderstanding of how to put that together.
0: Yeah, um, and, I mean, they, just, they they did send down Pavel Regenda for reasons unknown.
1: Yeah, and now he's back up and he's playing great. And he's and, scoring goals. And, and, and maybe Pavel Regenda can be the motor to get Strom and Vitrano going because that is kind of his game is getting in, getting the puck, causing havoc. Not completely along the lines of Andre Kasha, but that's someone that kind of comes to mind for me. A little bit of a bigger player, but in that same kind of ilk of this Energizer Bunny for that line. Um, but... I think just putting guys in more beneficial situations for them is yeah. going to is gonna be good for them. And so I think Mason McTavish at this point in time is so much better. I think at transitioning the puck. And you've seen it when he's played center, even with Strom on his wing for a couple of shifts. He yeah. just looks more natural and more uh it benefits the team more of having him in that position. And if you put him in that second um Second line center, it just sets things up more. If you have Zegris McTavish, Strom, Lundestrom. Like that yeah. just sets up the lineup so much more. Yeah,
0: I, I think that with, with Ryan Strom, he's just not really a, a true playmaker. He's more no. of like he's he's more of like a winger playing center where he can make those small plays, those little plays along the wall and in the middle to kind of just keep things going. He's a good winger. But but he's not gonna actually be the one driving the play, yeah. and that's kind of problematic when your wingers are Frank vitrano who's kind of the same thing. Like he's mm-hmm. more of a, a play finisher than a play yep. initiator, and you know Mason McTavish kind of playing in an unnatural spot, or even Pavel Regenda, who's just not really a true playmaker. It's just tough for him. So I'm not trying to say that Ryan Strom has been bad in the sense that he's been given every opportunity or the best opportunity and he's failed. It's just that the way they have it set up with him right now, it's just not working. And I think if you just flipped it around where he's either on the wing or playing on third line center and you have McTavish up there, at least find out what you have there. But to your question though, where we go from here, I still think that it all depends. We still need to see more to really say, okay, is it time to reconsider – where this team is at, well, um, I, but I, I, but I, but I will say this though. Yeah, I will say this before you do anything drastic. Before you decide, okay, we're not as close as we thought we were, or whatever. Something big like that, especially if things continue specifically in this way, mm-hmm. where the ducks look lost at five on five, don't do anything drastic before you change coaches, because yep. I just don't trust that this collection of players. Is this bad? I, I honestly think that some guys have not performed up to par, but also they're just not well, being
1: managed as well as they could be. You look at, um, I guess I've been told my mic is a little low. I'll try to fix that once I'm done with this point. But you look at the guys that have left the Ducks, right? You look at Ricardo Cal, you look at Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson even to an extent. But sure, these guys are really talented guys, but you can throw Josh Maher in there, right? Their isolated individual metrics are better than when they were with the Ducks, and while part of that, sure, the isolation is not perfect. The, yeah. The, the, the chicken like, inv- or the egg. Yeah, the environment does come into play. A large part of that environment is the coach, because you're playing within a system that is put in by the coach, and I think it's very telling that once these guys leave the Ducks, their numbers significantly improve. Yeah. And I think that that's telling about what the coaching staff has done and that's I think to your point I think before any drastic move which is kind of what we were briefly talking about earlier about like what a true tank is with Troy Terry and and, uh, shopping him around I think before you even go down that route you need to know what you have from this team with a different coach I, I just don't think
0: we can all really truly say that we know what this team is like because although I don't I don't love the comparison of oh look how these guys are doing on other teams it does go to show that the environment that a player plays in is, has such a big effect on how they look. And it's really hard. It's chicken or the egg to me where it's like, do this, do the players make the system Do the system, make the players. Right. And of course it's kind of this, it's kind of this Venn diagram or pie chart or whatever you want to use. And I think right now there's a lot of individual talent on this team. Like there's a lot of guys who have individual talent but there's not really that kind of system to to prop them up. They don't have that foundation. Whereas like a Hampus Lindholm, he can come to Boston and they've targeted him because they know he's a glove-like fit into their into their system and they can get the most out of his particular skill set. Like, I don't think that Hampus Lindholm became a better player in Boston. I just think that he's in a better situation. He's being utilized
1: better. He's being optimized better. We, we talk about lineup optima- optimization yeah, but, but, all the time.
0: But it's because it's not just because of how they like, it's because of how they play. It's because mm-hmm. of the players he's surrounded by. It, it's all of that. And yeah. that just like, that's the thing is like, I don't know if you put Bruce Cassidy as the coach of the Ducks, if Hampus Lindholm looks like he does in Boston right now. Probably not. Well, Bruce Cassidy isn't the Boston coach either right now. Well, no, but he built he built that system yeah. over there. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. don't fair. buy that Jim Montgomery came fair. in and fair, just fair. like redrew everything and reinvented the wheel. Um, so I'm sa- I'm just saying, like, if you put a great NHL coach behind yeah. the bench right now, I don't know, like, and Hampus Odom H- was still there, or was still on the team, I don't buy that all of a sudden he's just, like, you know, a Norris Trophy winner. But he's probably a little better, right? Probably yeah. a little better. And, yeah. and that's why I just, before, again, before we get to the tanking talk or the selling everything off talk, like, let's just see this with a different guy behind the bench. And again, like, there's still... This is going to sound really crazy to a lot of people, but there's still time for even Dallas Atkins to turn this around. It's
1: just what we've seen in 15 games yeah, doesn't I'm, inspire confidence. I mean, like I said, beginning of last year, he had the team playing well. Like, like, like this is the worst.
0: that like this is by far the, the worst the Ducks have looked under him relative to the talent
1: that they have available. This is probably the best team that he's had. Oh yeah, over his tenure as the as the Ducks coach. I and mean, this could is you the worst argue that, that they've last-
0: could you argue that the the team at the beginning of last year was better? Uh, like you know, so. with, no. with Lindholm, with Manson, no. with Raquel. no, cause,
1: no, because you didn't have Zegras and Terry playing in the same manner that they are right now. Well, that, I, but that was Zegras's coming out part, or uh, sorry, Terry's coming out party. Wasn't he's it? Like, still he's he's still way more he's more dominant now than he was then on ice.
0: Yeah, it, well, I just think that he's getting. Honestly, this year, I, th- I feel like he's getting a little bit more out of the depth than he did last year. But I would argue that this I would get- actually
1: argue the opposite, that he's getting more out of his high end talent this year and getting less out of his depth this year than last year.
0: Well, I mean, I think if you look at the blue line right now, this blue line is worse than last year's blue line when healthy. Like last year's healthy blue line was better than just the current iteration. That's Probably. actually on the ice. Probably. Probably. And this is, of course, without Drysdale.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, once Drysdale is back, I think it's it's a different conversation. Yeah. All right. Before we jump into the rest of this talk, though, I think it's uh, time for a word from our sponsor. Welcome to Fresh Ball Fall. It's the season of pumpkin spice, and make sure your crotch looks nice. That means sipping cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, a company here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing shedding its excess leaves. Heck, even Mother Nature knows it's time to lose the excess clutter for fall. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP. Whether you're brand new or already with us at Manscaped, you can use the crown jewel of care for your family jewels—the Platinum Package 4.0. With this glorious package, you can align your entire hygiene routine all in one swoop. Inside the 10-part 10-part pl- Platinum Package is everything you know and love about the Performance Package, plus some shower goodies included to elevate, uh, included to elevate your grooming game to Platinum. The Lawnmower 4.0 body trimmer and Weed Whacker nose, nose and ear hair trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes. Both are waterproof so you can keep scaping even as the uh, weather's changing. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. And don't forget to apply their aluminum-free Ultra Premium deodorant, and don't worry. It's not pumpkin spice. It's a cologne-quality fragrance. But we shouldn't have a signu- or shouldn't save a signature scent for our pits. Use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to make sure your go-to smell is top shelf and not sweaty balls. So you can get the Platinum Package this fall. These products are guaranteed to be hits for your dangly bits. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code CTP. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code CTP. Manscaped. Clear out the leaves, it's your tree trunks time to shine. Yeah, I actually used my lawnmower today. And
0: in a more intensive job. And uh yeah, pleasant experience. Would recommend to a friend. I don't know why. Platinum package really had me tongue twisted there. Yeah, a lot of the, the PL sound gets people. The, the the PPs. PP. Yeah. Well, with the lawnmower 4.0, you don't have, you don't have to worry about your PPs. There, there you go, folks. Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's move forward here. Always looking forward, never backward. <laughs> In regards to this team, and um, I think we kind of covered a lot of it, though. Like where we go from here. Yeah, I, 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 I just I'm not ready to go. Okay, I mean,
1: now, now you got to do Scorched Earth. you got to... And, and how many episodes do we have to talk about how you can fix the lineup? It's just there haven't been enough... There have been changes to the lineup. I, I think that's one thing. I think it was on the, the later Rivals. Well, Connor, think- Connor Connor pointed this out that probably if you look back at the lineups for every game, there's changes in each one. But there are all these minor changes. There's no actual, like, big change. To well, the okay, structure there, is, that- there
0: is a big change. The big change is that I think... Uh, Dallas Higgins has finally realized that Troy Terry and Trevor Zegris should play together.
1: Fair. True. But I, they, I think they a, played a,
0: together all week.
1: Yeah. And I think the big change that they should make, and this is honestly where this all started on Twitter yesterday, is me pointing this out. I don't know what Rocco Grimaldi, what more he has to do to earn a contract. Well, it's not about him.
0: Like, just plainly, it's not about him. The, this bottom six, the Ducks, for whatever reason, are are committed to it like max jones he's on a two-year deal he's he missed all of last year they want to see what he has it what they have in him Jakob silverberg he's getting paid over five million dollars for for another year after this they're not like he's not going anywhere isaac at 16 goals last year um you can keep going like it's just these guys that they're committed to rightly or wrongly that's why
1: rocco grimaldi isn't getting any play? Oh well, yeah, now, he has he has 15 points by the way in 12 games, and I think this doesn't include yesterday's game where he had two points. And he has 43 shots on goal in those games. Like this is a guy where if you want to make your team better, he is a guy that would instantly improve that bottom six.
0: Well, we 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 hypothesize so we we don't actually know. True, fair, fair. Um, like. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, give him a give him a shot. I just think that the the reason, like the the kind of boring reason, is just that they have a bunch of guys that they're committed to, and they don't seem to be in a hurry to kind of uh, to move on from them. And again, like we, we keep saying it, it's fifteen games. It's not quite time to to cut the cord on anything yet, except you know certain like actual lineup combinations. But in terms of players. I don't think you want to write anyone off yet if you're the actual team. From our perspective, outside looking in, I think we can both agree that there's changes that could easily be made in that bottom six that would benefit the team. Like, you know, what is Brett Leeson bringing to the table exactly? Yeah, I don't understand. But outside, of, um, outside of
1: being six foot four, what exactly does he bring to this well, team? How bad does the decision to play Nathan Bolu so much look? And now, granted, Chicago Blackhawks, but how bad does that decision look when you have two career AHLers so far, and Colton White and Austin Strand come in and look better yeah. than Shattenkirk Bolu as a pairing did?
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, and we can kind of stick on the positive aspect of it, which is that you know Austin Strand came up and and looked good in his limited action, and gave the Ducks a little bit of a different look on that third pairing. And Colton White pretty much... I was impressed. I was really impressed by him in that game. Yeah, Colton White, whoever he plays with, whatever pairing he plays on just tends to do better, tends to control play. And, you know, I don't want to say that Kevin Shattenkirk is fully done, you know, that he's fully cooked through,
1: uh, but it's... His five on five decision making is just not good. I think it was although
0: like to in his defense, his numbers are good playing with Colton White.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. but I, I think it was against in the game against the wild when when he got hurt and, and ended up being taken out of the game but he had a pinch that led to a two on one against, and it was just such a bad timing. Just, yeah. All three, all three forwards were down low in the zone. He pitches up the pinches up the board, and it leads to two on one against. And it's like you can't blame the center or a winger for not being back covering him because they're all down low. You just have to be able to um, make that adjustment and identify. It. And then, I mean, hell, uh, Bolu getting in a fight when the Ducks have a two uh, two on one potential three on one going the other way. Yeah,
0: and well, the thing is like. You know, people were defending him, saying, "Oh, well, look, he's what is he? What do you want him to do?" Like he's done this multiple. He's done this multiple times now this season. Like the the
1: the Vegas game, they had complete control early in the early in the game, consistent offensive zone pressure, and then he gets in a fight. San Jose, or am I just like something like that? Something like that. But yeah, against Vegas, they had consistent zone pressure or start the game, and he gets in a fight. And then, not saying that's the reason for or against, but that definitely eats up your momentum when you're controlling play. Well, I, I just I just think it's
0: it's symptomatic of a larger issue with him, which is that his on-ice awareness, it's either bad or he doesn't have the tools to execute on what he's seeing. And yeah. I think with Colton White, we've at least seen, seen some positive, and the Ducks desperately need to get something out of that third pairing. Um, and yeah, I mean, with, with Kevin Shattenkirk, it's just like, I don't know if it's the coaching staff that's asking him to kind of be aggressive out there and try to support the attack, but he just doesn't have the the, the leg speed for it anymore. Like if he ever did, uh, he's just doesn't have the mobility to kind of be a guy who's pinching down low, retreating back. He's a decent puck mover when he's got the plate in front of him. He just needs to focus on that and less on trying to be this fourth forward out there. Um, yeah.
1: So, one, one thing that to focus on though with Colton White that I thought was impressive was that I think one of the issues that the Ducks have had, and I think this honestly goes back to some of the defensive issues because I think some of the biggest chances the Ducks have had um, come on two-on-ones against, and they come on just point shots that end up getting blocked and come the other way in transition. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was Colton White, when he had the puck on the blue line, was not looking to just fire it on net just to get the puck on net. He actually was, picked his head up, and at one point he made a cross-ice pass to Silverberg, who was not ready for a pass because I think he was so expecting him to just shoot it. But it was a perfect cross-ice pass that could have been a, a quick little shot to create a really good scoring opportunity for the Ducks. And those are the types of plays that you want. Point shots just aren't that dangerous unless there's a whole lot of traffic. But even then... Unless you if get a, got, a rebound. Yeah, like, but it, there's... You need a, to get a rebound for it to be worth it it's as likely that a point shot gets blocked and goes out other way for a breakaway as it is you end up getting a good scoring chance off the, the rebound. Like yeah. it's just not a high percentage play. And so he was not looking for that low percentage play. He was looking to make a pass and create offense and in the D zone. He was quick at moving the puck. It was just, it was something where sure. I'd rather Josh Mahura. I would love to have him still in the ducks. I think that that was a poor decision to waive him, but you have this guy in Colton white, who's kind of a similar profile, right? And why not give him a better. chance?
0: I think he's better than
1: Josh Murra. Yeah. So why is he? Not, he should be playing. I like. I think that it's a. It's a shame that. Yeah, but that Jake, playing you, over him. Yeah, but you need you need some toughness out there.
0: You need you need a guy who's willing to stand up for his teammates. Look, yeah. look how I mean it it, it. it translates into success, right? It translates into wins. Clearly, no. I mean the the Nathan Bolu thing. I, I said it at the time. I'll say it again. Terrible idea to sign him. Like. Don't even give your coach the option, opportunity to play one of the worst, statistically worst defensemen in the NHL. Like, okay, maybe there's a team out there where you put Nathan Bolia on that team, and he looks good. Maybe if you put him on Boston or Florida. But it sure as hell was not going to happen with these Anaheim Ducks, with that man behind the bench. It just wasn't going to happen. Uh, So, very odd decision. I, I mean, like, I was texting you this today, but I think, like... I think that some of Paverbeek's moves on the fringes have not helped this team. like yeah. B- Bollier, Mahara. I mean, I think... Not signing Sonny Milano, who in Washington I think Washington not signing has... Sonny Milano, in hindsight, still makes no sense to me because they have the cap space. Um, they need forward just playmaking. Like, that's one of the biggest issues with this lineup is that there just aren't enough guys who can create offense. Uh, so... It's just like a perplexing decision. Why I mean, if happened. if Sonny Milano was a third liner on this team, the bottom six looks a whole lot better. Yeah, exactly. Like you, like, you just have more flexibility
1: in, in designing the lineup. Yeah. And, and so and he honestly was one of the ducks better defensive players last season. And so I just think there's a whole lot that has to be re the way that the game is viewed by the coaching staff needs to be rethought. I but think that's, speci- but that's a big
0: problem, right? Yeah. Like yep. like that that's that's the critical issue with this this coaching staff particularly everything we've seen from Dallas Akins is that these issues that we're describing right now, they've uh, been there for years. They've, these aren't new. It's just now yeah. they're, they're looking worse because well, he, he has pieces at his disposal that, that he could turn things around with, but he's just getting lost in the sauce.
1: Yeah. And, and to that point, right? What was a lot of the conversation last year about with the ducks? Just a, a global conversation was, Oh man, look at how the Ducks power play improved. Right? Oh
0: god, here we go.
1: Well, no, but it's it's a valid point, right? Of look at how the the Ducks uh look at how the Ducks were on the power play last year because they had scored goals. But if you looked at the process, the power play between uh the 20 2020-2021 season and then last season didn't really actually improve that much from a shot a quality generation. Uh, perspective. It actually, I believe. Let me see. Oh, this five-on-five. Five, let me change that to power play. But I think it actually got worse between the two yeah, seasons. Yeah. Well, it ju- it just stayed about the same. Like it. No, didn't... it went from six point five six when they had the historically bad power play from a goal perspective, down to oh, five goals goals. Uh, no, I'm talking expected goals. It went from six point five six the year that it was garbage and they had two point nine seven goals for. And last year, it was actually worse at 5.77 expected goals for. So dropped nearly a full expected goal for in terms of the quality that they were generating for on a per 60 basis. And so if you were to just kind of take a look at these numbers and try to analyze what's happening, you would be able to see, oh, crap, even though we're scoring goals, we're not exactly doing it by creating a bunch of quality chances for we're kind of getting a little bit of puck luck going our way. We need to find a way to really generate chances. And they were getting the puck luck that they did not get two seasons ago. And this year, it's kind of gone back. They, they're they up at the same level that they were in the 2020-2021 season, 6.69 expected goals, 4 per 60. And they're only generating 3.33 goals, 4 per 60. And so that just kind of goes to show that the power play hasn't actually changed over the last three years. You have a new power play coach, and it's maybe changed because system or personnel, things like that. Systems are different a little bit. But the overall quality that they're consistently getting is not changing, even though the personnel's changed. Even though the coaching uh, the coaching staff has changed with new assistant coaches running the power play, and that just kind of goes to show the the issues that have plagued this team, they're not necessarily reflective on how to actually improve what's happening. Well, I, and I think, think that that's an issue. One thing that I will stand by is that mm-hmm. I think that there are enough pieces.
0: There's enough talent on this roster to have better to have a better outcome than what they've had through 15 games. Yes, I would agree. This this is not the worst five on five team in the like. I don't think that on talent, this is the worst five on five team in the NHL. That's what they've been. Well, you, you look <laughs> at the way that games. they played against Chicago, right? They lapped Chicago. And, an- and that is a team who right now the Ducks, by some models, are worse than at five on five. And yeah. I think that just goes to show that when they're put up against some of these teams that I think a lot of fans are kind of grouping them with now as as just these bottom feeders they're better than they're better than those teams Mm -hmm. and significantly so now maybe if the ducks had played in chicago they wouldn't have looked so dominant with that home ice advantage but nevertheless i think that it, it was so emphatic that you could and again they lost so maybe hard harder a case to make but it was so emphatic just in in the run of play that they're not as bad as kind of they've no. shown so far. I just don't I'm going to be
1: that. tomorrow's game is going to be fascinating, I think. Because they're playing the Detroit Red Wings, which was a team that they it's a team that has not been good so far either. A team that has not been good at 5 on 5. A team that the Ducks actually outplayed at 5 on 5 for significantly so for two of three periods and then kind of took their foot off the gas and Fell off a bit and had a bad third period when they were down and allowed the special teams goals against. And so I'm really curious to see how this game goes because realistically, this should be a team that the Ducks should be able to play well against. This is a team that's probably that's in that same kind of yeah. territory as Chicago, and they're not that great in their own zone. They don't like they have good players, but they they currently yeah. haven't been able to put it together. The, the, the
0: Derek Lalonde experiment is uh, not. It's not, not going, going well so not far. Not going well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that the, the the Red Wings to me, I was never that high on the Red Wings either, in terms of like their offseason moves and, and people kind of crowning them preemptively. But I do think that on talent, that team is better than what it's shown too. They're they're in a similar boat to the Ducks, but but they're a team that the Ducks should be able to compete against and yep. and, at, and at least look good against. They're playing in Anaheim, which matters, you know, with that mm-hmm. with that longer flight. So I'm kind of looking for a, a pretty
1: strong Ducks performance, to be yep. honest.
0: Like th- that's and a
1: team where they should look the part. I think this is the last time that the Reverse Retro will be on home ice.
0: Oh, okay, okay, man. I don't know about an orange jersey, or you know, the orange everything against a red team that doesn't doesn't look quite. Well, that... it's a wh- it's a white
1: jersey. The yeah, the orange pants are going to be weird against the red pants. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, no, versus, I get what you're
0: saying. The, the orange versus red is kind of. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that.
1: But yeah, has regardless. Detroit has Detroit been playing in their reds this entire trip then? Because they uh, they 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 played. I was actually at the the Kings Red Wings game for for reasons on Saturday and the Kings were wearing their white reverse retro jerseys. And so the Red Wings were in red for that game. Uh,
0: Yeah, because they're well, they're going to play the Sharks on Thursday. So I would assume
1: are the Sharks wearing the reverse retro also? Well, the Sharks reverse retro is is white.
0: I can't even think of what it is right now. It's the,
1: it's the, uh, it's the golden seal
0: one and it's white. Oh, that's right. Are the Sharks wearing the reverse retro on Thursday? Uh, You can look this up right now, but I would assume, I mean, if they are, you're, you're going to be weirdly
1: right about something. They could also just, they could also just, they could also just be wearing a white Jersey in that game. It could just be a Jersey swap. Um, Is that the entire road trip for the Red Wings though? Is just the California road trip? Uh yeah, it is. I can't so, find this
0: for some reason. I don't care yeah. enough to look it up.
1: Uh, okay, but people I'll find hate it. the orange
0: pants. Look, it's fun for what it is. It, if this were a permanent look, I don't. Black pants would be the way to go. Black black pants would be the way to go. But like th- this whole program, like you, you're seeing it with other teams, it's meant to be kind of kind of out there, kind of silly. And on that scale, I think that these are these are just fine.
1: Uh, no, that the sharks are not wearing that in that game. But they could just wear a white jersey.
0: Um, yeah. Did you see what happened with uh, Vancouver and Boston the other no. night? Let's hear it. So the uh the so the, the, the Bruins are wearing their there's a lot of teams Oh with white yes, I, yes, with, I did. I with saw white this. reverse retros for whatever reason. I saw this and this the Bruins was so dumb. Were, the, the Bruins are wearing their reverse retros and warm ups, and the Canucks came out with their white away jerseys in warm ups too. So it wasn't I don't ske-
1: know, I, it wasn't a scheduled reverse retro game. I don't know what even happened with that. I don't the know Bru- what the 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 Bruins just wore the reverse retro They went off warm-ups. script? It was just for warm-ups. Oh, okay. They did it just in warm-ups as like their warm-up jersey and then went back to the regular jersey for the game. Dang. I really wanted
0: them to like... A white on white game? I really wanted them to... I don't know if like back in the day when I used to play like NHL, you know, NHL 12, NHL 14 online... And, like, you you get your play online, and you get, like, randomly matched up with someone, and they switch to white jerseys at the last second. And you don't want to quit out because you don't want to ruin your ranking, so you end up playing white jerseys against white jerseys. It's the worst. But it would have been pretty funny to see that happen in real life. Yep. Salem the Black Cat appears.
1: Yep. Um, Have you noticed, uh, Mark Jaraba brings this up in our YouTube chat, have you noticed how much the Ducks have been wearing the orange jersey? Uh, Well, there has to be a maximum you can wear it, right? As a third jersey. I don't know. They they still haven't announced. Typically, they always announce a third jersey schedule. Mm -hmm. There's been no third jersey schedule announced this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got some pushback for saying that the Ducks were having a subtle kind of rebrand. Thanks, Puck Empire. But I'm not saying that the Ducks, like, I think people took that to mean that the the ducks are actively rebranding and are actively going to make changes in the imminent future. That's not what I said. I, I feel like people just don't understand what the word "subtle" means. What I'm just saying is that I think it's noteworthy that they're at every opportunity, especially kind of with you know things involving you know guests or yeah on, on national television. They're always hey. wearing this jersey. Like that's kind of noteworthy, right? Henry Samueli, I feel like at every game is wearing the third jersey. Yeah, and so I I just think that this team really likes that look. I think that they understand that people probably that a lot of fans prefer that jersey to the home jersey. And like to their credit, they're giving the people what they want. Maybe that's all this is, but I think that, you know, this is a this is a for-profit institution, maybe that they are paying attention and
1: saying, "Hey, we should probably make a switch later down the line." Was the Chicago game the first time that they wore the black jersey at home? I feel mm-hmm. like it's the second. I feel like there was one. Other I don't time. think so. Now, now uh, that for jersey the-
0: looks so awful now compared to the uh, the reverse. Like after seeing Tor- the reverse retro, Toronto,
1: Tor- Toronto, they wore. They've only worn it. Uh, let me see. No, no, Didn't floor- they wear it on yeah. the road once. Or am I am I going crazy? They did wear it in on the road for. They one in of Vegas. The- yeah, they wore it in Vegas, but at home, so they didn't. They wore orange for the home opener. Now we're just going off the rails on this, but that's kind of where the games were this week. But they were orange in the Seattle game, orange in the Tampa game. They wore the black against the home game in Toronto. And then Florida home game, they wore the reverse retro. Minnesota, they wore the orange. Chicago, they wore the black. So they've worn the orange three times at home. The black twice, and they're going to have worn the as of tomorrow the reverse retro twice. Yeah,
0: I just think after seeing the reverse retros and kind of how how great that jersey looks, and you know you can you can debate all you want about the the pants, I don't care, but the jersey itself and the overall look is just so clean, so classic. And then when you have this kind of Reebok Edge blast from the past you know, actual home Jersey. It's just like such an eyesore in comparison.
1: Yep. All right. Uh, Want to get into the questions or anything else you want to talk about? We kind of jumped. We had some more things to talk about. We kind of already did through the rest of our conversation.
0: Yeah. I, I just think that if you're frustrated right now as a fan, you have every right to be. Yep. But let's not, let's not, you know, pronounce this team and kind of this, not, not really this team, but let's not pronounce this, the overall trajectory of this franchise dead quite yet. Well, like and it's I 15 d- games at the end I of the I
1: also just think taking a rational look at what the offseason was as compared to kind of rewriting it to they were not. They were not going all in.
0: There was clearly a lot of room, a lot yeah. of wiggle room with what they there did. There was hedging. They did not go out and sign superstars.
1: Like Ryan Strome is not that. John Klingberg has not been that, but you could arguably make the case. That he no, is he, was, re- he was not that. OK, he,
0: he went out and tried to get a, a star contract and there was that's no, fair. That's a mean, fair. Point. He didn't get it. Fair point. Um, by the way, did you see? I don't know if this is like legit or not. Maybe I shouldn't be parroting it, but I saw that apparently he it, like it came down to Montreal or the Ducks for him. Mm hmm. I'm just saying he'd probably be having more fun playing for for Marty St. Louis than Dallas Aikens right now.
1: But I mean, he's probably just enjoying Southern California more.
0: Well, I mean, if honestly, if his whole goal is to just like get that bigger contract, he would have probably had a better chance with the Canadiens.
1: Maybe. Uh, all right, we're going to go to our Discord the Canadians, first. The by
0: the way, who are in a playoff
1: spot right now. We're, we're going to go to our Discord first. I'm stopping you from talking about Montreal. And then go to Twitter. Um, Why am I being shut down? Why am I being repressed? Wait. Why am I being silenced? Dalton Keys is saying there's a jersey schedule on the team website. They're scheduled to wear the third jersey ten times this year. I have yeah, not the, seen that. That's throw, not noteworthy. Throw that link in the Twitch chat. I, I'm that's curious. not noteworthy. Well, I'm just curious. Uh, let's see. All right. D Frenzy said, do you think uh, this is what the Ducks team just is at this point? In other words, are we destined for mediocrity or worse this season? Or can we shake off the early season struggle? Do you think we're a top three worst team in this league?
0: No. I don't think that. Like, we, I mean, if you've listened to the rest of this podcast by now, you would yes. kind of anticipate. We've this kind answer. of answered that already they're not they're not one of these worst teams yet i don't think it's time to just give up all hope that, that they can be more than this
1: yeah um all right let's see this uh uh green bastard said would you prefer the current jersey slash colors with the mighty dex logo or the mighty dex jersey slash colors with the web d Ooh, that's a fun one um
0: I think I would go with the latter. Eggplant and Jade.
1: Eggplant and Jade with the Web D? Yeah.
0: Let's
1: yeah, I do wouldn't. It. I I would give me the Mighty Ducks logo with either with the current colors. Okay. Basically just the orange jersey. Uh Shaken Wing says, Is Minchukov gonna be better than Zellweger? We haven't really given that much shout here. Minchukov's had a crazy start to the season.
0: I think there's a chance he's better than Zellweger because he's got more of the physical tools yep. and maybe that will bear out in a way that makes him more effective.
1: I think regardless, it doesn't matter because the fact the, that they're both going to be on this team.
0: Yeah, like that's why as as much as people are are down about the the start, like the future is still bright for this team. Yeah. There's, there's so much talent in the pipeline that
1: it's going to be OK one way or another. Yep. D Frenzy also asks, what do you guys think the main problem is with the Ducks defensively? Is it a goaltending issue? Is it the defense in front of the goalies? Is it coaching slash systems? Is it maybe a combination of two or more of those factors? And is it fixable or do they need a personnel change? And he said these charts are super rough, which come from uh, Jay Fresh showing the Ducks goal saved above expected where they're sitting at 29th in the league per top down hockey's model at -4.7 and 5v5 expected goals against where they're giving up the most in the league at 3.41 expected goals against per 60 per top down hockey's model. Yeah,
0: I mean, their goaltending hasn't been awesome. Yep. Um uh, and, you know, defensively I think it's not just the blue line, it's not just the five man unit. It's not just the forwards. like Everything is just kind of not working at once. And yeah, it's a five-man unit. Uh, I would argue it's a six-man unit because the guy behind the bench has a lot to do with it. Uh, There's just not a lot of cohesion out there, and that's why they look so poor defensively.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's a mix of everything. I think that the system that is allowing these chances is not giving up chances that Gibson is is good well, at saving. Well, you're also
0: trusting Derek Grant to be your shutdown center.
1: Yeah, you're having Isaac Lundestrom being your primary matchup guy against uh, Kirill Kaprizov for the <laughs> Wild. That didn't Seem, go too well. Se-
0: seems like a good strategy.
1: Yeah. Uh is said, was the quality of play against the Hawks on Sunday regardless of outcome a positive or negative development for this team? Positive. Yeah, it's 100% positive. Um it showed that they're not Certainly a bottom team. Not feeder. a negative. It showed that they're not a bottom feeder. I think that's important. Um, all right. This comes from ducks. Dragon Hut. This team just seems to be in disarray. No matter the quality of opponent they face, I'm struggling to find positives outside of Zgrist and Terry. Are there any hopes in your eyes? Uh, and through the metrics that the results will turn, will begin to turn or do the systems implemented by the coaching staff, just not fit the roster and the results won't change until a change is made from higher up. I'm grasping at straws to find hope in these games. Most of the roster just seems to be struggling, even with things they should be good at, uh, like, uh, Klingberg, Comtois, Strom, etc.
0: Yeah, I think that there's still a lot of positive to draw from big picture, like the way Max Comtois looked. The mm-hmm. fact that even though Mason McTavish is not getting a fair opportunity, he's looked good. He's looked, he's looked every bit the part. And I would, I would say that there's, there's not really a bad outcome this season because I think it could go two ways, or at least two ways. If Dallas Akins continues to coach this poorly and the team continues to not respond to him, and they end up playing this bad, he's going to get fired at some point. I don't think that Pat Verbeek is going to just stand pat. Um, no pun intended. But I don't think he's going to stand pat and and let, and kind of watch this thing unravel, especially if guys are not getting developed. So either Akins gets fired and someone new comes in, or Akins just changes his philosophy, which we've seen him kind of do late in seasons when the Ducks are out of it. And I think at that point, the Ducks become a more, a a fun team because then it's all about the youth. And so, or they could turn it around. Maybe that Aikens figures some things out or maybe they do fire him and and actually bring in someone who gets some wins. Like, yeah, there's not really like a bad outcome for this team. This season, this, like, like I think stepping back a little bit and letting the mind cool this, like this, the ducks, long-term trajectory was never going to be defined by this season. We no. all knew, we all this knew year that, would be gravy. We all knew that the Ducks had a chance to be more competitive this year, but ultimately no one here was arguing that they were ready to compete for a Stanley Cup this season. No. I think no. I think a lot of our detractors online are kind of conflating us saying that they were going to be able to compete for a playoff spot with oh, they're gonna go win the Stanley Cup now because they got John Klinkberg. Like we didn't that's not the tone we were trying to
1: give off. Yep. And the puff said, how long do you think the Sam always let this losing streak continue before telling Verbeek to do something? I mean, if like if they don't
0: have a regulation win by Thanksgiving, I don't think Aikens is gone, but I
1: think that the, the Something's seat gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh Ducks Argument said if the Ducks couldn't beat Chicago at all, who do you think the Ducks beat in regulation? Uh, they should have they if that game's played ten times, they beat Chicago in regulation nine times. Like that I wouldn't use that. Like they would beat Chicago. They should be they should beat Detroit tomorrow. Should. Uh, should. I mean
0: Detroit is better than them at five on five so far this season. Should. <laughs> I don't know about should.
1: I'm saying could. Should. I'm saying likely could. All right, uh, so let's get into... I think I got some Twitter questions from some people, but people in the Twitch chat and YouTube chat, start throwing your questions in, and, and we'll get to those. Hockey Rush said, here's my question for this week. How come I'm not seeing any ads on the jerseys so far? I've only seen a few. Any reason? I don't know. I, I think it's just mainly because I think teams haven't worked out sponsorship deals yet. Um. I think that's primarily it. If you were to look at it, um, there are some of the bigger name teams have them. Toronto has that milk jersey, right? Milk. Milk. What is? Why does what, Why does milk
0: need a spawn? Like, why do we need milk? Like, why Why does milk need advertising? And then what is
1: Montreal has one also, right? You're mad yeah, about it. Yeah, some stupid bank. Yeah, you're big mad about it. Um, I okay. Mean, I don't. I don't care that much. But yeah, Metal. so. I think that was it. So let's go with this. We're going to go to our Twitch chat and YouTube chat. If you want to support us and watch us live, you can go to slash crash spawn or slash crash spawn. If you uh, prefer YouTube, please subscribe to our channel there. It helps out immensely. Uh, we're trying to eventually break 1,000 subscribers there. So please go there, help us get to that point. Or if you're on Twitch and like Twitch, uh, you get one free Amazon Prime sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days, and it helps more than you can imagine. You can be just like our good friend, Lou. Lou subscribed. Guess how many months Lou subscri- has subscribed to us for? Felix. Uh, 12 times. I'm going to go 48. 50. Wow. You keep getting close. 50 yeah. months. Thank you, Lou. And our good friend, Ken Pafu. Tony, you subbed for 34 months. So thank you guys. Thank you guys. So much for the long, 34. long support. Yeah.
0: Jamie Drysdale's old number. Yeah, there you go. By the uh, way. I don't know if anyone's an NFL fan, but the Eagles might lose right now. The undefeated Eagles to the Commanders.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, Curtis said from our YouTube saying, how many. Oh, uh, yeah. Hit that thumbs up also. P Blaster said that in our YouTube chat. So on YouTube, hit that thumbs up. Curtis said, how many team meals does Comtron need to poison to see any power play time? I, I don't think any. Yeah. But it is a little surprising
0: that he's not getting any. <laughs> He, he gets twice. it
1: here and there, but it's just like if he's not on the first unit, then he's not on the power play at all. And the other issue is that power play is just. You and I actually had a really long text conversation. I'm surprised we didn't talk yeah, about this I at was, all. I was
0: overly caffeinated today and
1: just let it all out. Yeah, you and I, we had a really long text conversation about the Ducks' power play and how you are adamant that the Ducks need to swap Terry and Zegris to take them off their offsides. To, because the one-timer threat just is not working and the biggest issue I have with the Ducks' power play is the bumper position and the front net presence basically they're not do, getting there they, they do nothing for you at this point that, in that's time. that's
0: your best chance of scoring a goal of course that's also what the penalty kill is going to be honed in on defending like it's not an easy task yeah but I'm of the belief that Trevor Zegers is so great from that right half wall but before Trevor Zegers came around like Troy Terry did some really good things there. And it's just like, I don't think that they're ever going to take Terry. Like, I'm sorry. They're never going to take Zegers away from the right flank. I think that he's kind of owned that. And he's showing he can do multiple things from there, but they've got to find a way to get him and and Troy Terry clicking together. Like there's there's no chemistry on the power play yet with them. You know what you could almost do? Try Troy Terry in the, in the bumper position. Yeah. Like, He's got all the skills for it. He's He's got a great shot. He can finish. and I just, He can manipulate the puck in small spaces. I, I, I just think if he's going to be on his off wing on the left flank, he just doesn't look comfortable there. Like, you remember the game, maybe it was against the Wild, where Zegers tried to hit him with cross-ice passes like four times in a row, mm-hmm. and he just couldn't get him on a stick, and he couldn't really do anything with it. And I think he's
1: just... Get him in that slot, and I think you'll benefit from it. Well, I think, uh, realistically, what I think the Ducks need to do the most is it's just so stationary. Even the top unit, you know, when they have extended pressure against the Wild, this happened. Well, look
0: at that goal the Wild scored, where they scored
1: behind, yeah. like, just passing back and forth yeah. behind the net. Yeah, that exactly. Was, that was very creative. Granted, five on three, but yes. But, like, what could, the Ducks have one of the most creative players in the game. And why does he never kind of go below the goal line? Why is that, some, that not something that their system kind of has him do? Their system is very direct of Klingberg to Zgris well, and looking and, for and, that shot from the face-off dunk. And
0: also, like, okay, I think that Trevor Char- Zgris has shown that his one-timer can be devastating. Yes. But the angle that they're taking to get to his shot where it's just Klingberg from the top to um, to Zgris, that's, I don't want to say it's a... It's better than a point shot, but the yeah. angle is not so severe that the goalie has to get all the way across. Like the goalie can still get over there. Yeah. Like you got to create these more severe angles. Like if you look at Alex Ovechkin's one timer goals, yeah, it's o- it's Ovechkin. He's he's the greatest goal scorer of all time. But they find ways to get these really tough angles for the goalie to cover getting across. Yeah. And I think that you got to help out Zegers because Zegers has showed that he can he can put it away on you know with with very little time and space yeah so
1: but it's become predictable right like that is and that's the other issue. there's just no
0: nuance to it it's just it's just we're gonna force feed him over and over again
1: yeah and because it's it's the only
0: thing that's worked
1: and and even with alex ovechkin right the capitals would always kind of throw in backstrom doing something different to be able to put put, and tj oshi in the bumper position yeah and so that's the key there and the ducks have one of the most creative guys behind the net right Yeah, I mean, if if Zegris goes behind the net, are you telling me that no one's going to chase him if he's set up back there with the puck on a power play? And if someone chases him, guess what? You then have a four on three right in front of the net. Like, why would you not try to exploit that? I think that they're trying to make their.
0: I think they have this idea of what this could be and then what's just working and they're just kind of spamming what's worked, which is the Trevor Zegras one-timer. But I don't think that that's actually going to yield long-term success. And to your point, yeah, Trevor Zegras might be the most dangerous player in the NHL behind the net outside of like, I don't know, Sidney Crosby or something. And leverage that, like find a way to get that involved, because that's such a difficult play for a goalie and a penalty killer to cover. You're having to, you know, look, look back and forth. there's just different ways to do this, and yeah, they it, just seem they just seem unwilling to kind of like at this point
1: it's so bad just experiment like try I, I hadn't even thought about th- that till our text message today, and I hadn't even thought about him just stopping behind the net until now. But it's just like this is a guy that has scored. I mean, granted, should have had one more. The uh, well, just it was, just it was Im- offside, but whatever. Implement whatever. that. like, yeah, like, like,
0: like I, I think that one thing we miss about one timers is that. You need some confusion. You need some movement before the actual shot. Like, if you look at um, Nick Suzuki, who's who's playing very well in the power play, he's rarely ever stationary when he when he catches the puck on the right flank. He's always kind of circling out and coming back in. And Like, for example, if Trevor Zegras goes behind the net, threatening a pass, and then eventually circles back to his spot when the puck gets to him, it's harder for that penalty kill to see it coming.
1: Yeah. So. Well, and it's just leveraging what your guys are best at, right? Like
0: yeah. I, I just think- just have Trevor Zegris try the we didn't even talk about Trevor Zegris' Michigan, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
1: yeah. But it's just like, right, like Trevor Zegris, yes, he's done a great job at finding goals from that exact position. His one timer is never what he's gonna be known for. It though. looks a little like like when he scores, it looks great, but you can just there's something about it His, where you it- can just his sticks up in the ice for a good four or five seconds before the pass gets there. Like The, it's the, so... way, the way he, like, releases, <laughs> it just doesn't look natural. Well, like, it's he'll... so uh, it, it, it's the one thing that he does that he does not provide any deception on. Like, you know yeah. he's going to shoot the one-timer when it's coming because his sticks up in the air for a good couple of seconds. Yeah, he's one I just of the most really... the players in the game. I just don't
0: think that that's where he's most dangerous. Where he's most dangerous is if you've got the penalty killers – Overcommitted to one side, he gets it in a shooting position, and then he's got options. Like that's yeah. what makes him the most dangerous. Yeah. But I do want to point out that he did score a, a Michigan goal this yeah. week. I was at that and, game, and oh wow, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, and uh, and people were mad that I said that this shows why the offside rule is broken, and I didn't mean to say that it was the wrong result. Like yeah, by the letter of the law, he yeah. was offside proper
1: result oh i still no, the, i still haven't seen that replay they never showed it in the arena but the
0: whole point is just that like the offside on that play was so immaterial it didn't affect the play it didn't give the ducks any sort of advantage and i think having amazing moments like that waved off because of this thing that didn't matter is like that just seems like a like at this point something's got to change right yeah um,
1: i think the way that you do it is right for when the offside occurs if it's within a minute if it's past a minute then you can say it it didn't really materially affect anything because the the defending team should have been able to get the puck at that point and get it out yeah at least like that can be just like a hard and fast like cutoff, a minute and that's have
0: some kind of nuance to it as opposed to just black and white off or not i think that
1: something's got to change there yep um all right so let's see uh Dalton Keys asked this aren't they getting are the Ducks getting close to setting the record for most games without a regulation win to start a season What is the record I don't know the other day I looked this up and the tough thing is right is that technically they have wins You can look up the longest winless streak to start a season um and that i think let me find it really quickly that's the 93 or sorry 43 44 rangers at 15 and but that was but that is pre ot yeah they, they had ties shootouts. Then. yeah they had ties which is the issue so mm-hmm. i don't really know where that would go with the current setup so if someone knows what that is i haven't been able to do enough research it's not easily available it would take kind of scouring through the season yeah
0: like i know i know that we are our show is primarily focused on the process and the underlying stuff but if this team just can't win at all in regulation yeah like we may not care as much but people in charge probably do oh yeah and things, um, things will change
1: let's see we also got this question from lewis said what's your top three cheap beer oh um I'll say this. I'll just get out ahead of
0: it. Its PBR is not in there. It's not in there for me either. PBR is 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 terrible. Um, Do we consider Modello cheap? So I'll say my like number one, like obviously cheap. I don't think I don't think Modelo is obviously cheap. In fact, a, a Modelo like twelve pack is not that cheap at all. I'm
1: right actually. now looking up how much. It's like it's like twenty like something bucks. Total Wine and More has is at fourteen ninety nine. That's a good price for Modelo. Fourteen ninety
0: nine for a 12 pound. Okay, my number one of the obviously cheap beers. So I'm changing the rules a little bit, but obviously cheap beers. <laughs> Context dependent. Context dependent. Always, always. Context is king. Coors Light. Yeah, I would agree with that. Coors if we're Light. Going to, yeah, Coors Light. Because like the, the Pacificos,
1: the Modellos, to me, that's a tier above that. Eh, I put them in the same tier. If they are in the same tier, I'd put Modelo above it. Then oh I yeah, put, like, if Horse. if those
0: guys are in the same tier, then then yes, you you have th- they're they're up there for me. But I'm putting uh, I'm putting Coors Light number one just because I think it, it fits it fits the spirit of what he's
1: asking better. Um, Lou Lou, Lou is the one who asked the question. He's saying those are above this tier. So okay, yeah, I, I agree. Like I, okay, I, so I correctly, I
0: correctly identified um, number two. Oh God, it gets real rough. Um, I don't have a two or three. Were Who you ever? Ro- were you ever a Rolling Rock guy? No, God, no. <laughs> that was a thing in in, in college for me. People sure, were really sure, like, sure. Um, you know, Bex is Bex in this in this tier. Bex is is like I, you could do worse than Bex. Um, I'll have Bex there. Um, and then number three, I'm gonna go back to to where it all began, to to the tried and true. Uh, one Miller Light, please.
1: The the OG podcast bit.
0: It's it's not Bush beer. It's not natural light. It's not natural ice. It's not oh, Foster's. Nat-
1: natty's so bad. I n- <laughs> you could not pay me to drink a Natty at this point no in time me in neither my life. or a Keystone. Oh, you could not pay me to drink those. I no. <laughs> wow, um, Lewis just trashing me right now. Wow. I mean, the only one is course. That's it. Coors lights it. Church ninety one said, "Do you predict that Pavel Argena has done enough to stay in the lineup, or will he be sent down soon?" Uh, I don't. I don't trust. Him to,
0: I don't trust it's like rational decisions with him at this point. Yep. Pushhead two said, "If Dallas Akins is indeed let go, who would you replace him with?" I don't know. Like I need to start thinking about that more. <laughs> so the name
1: I come back to, and it
0: really uh, well. It, if you want to go like current coaches that are available, like yeah, Andrew Brunette.
1: Andrew Brunette, but the real question is whether or not he, the is devils, he even available. Well, whether it's not whether he's available, it's whether or not the devils would allow him to interview for well, the Well that job. that goes to his availability. Yeah, fair. Okay. Uh even Wilder Wing said question is Regenda or Regenda Wow. Yeah, just get it that, right. By the way, Reg- did you see
0: the Ducks pulling out the uh Regenda agenda? No, Twitter? they did. They did. Really? Yeah, they did they, they sure they, did they're watching us. Uh, I shut
1: up. Shout out to the late arrival crew also for using that term. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no. It's uh I'm glad it's making waves. Yeah. I'm glad.
1: Troy Terry's very good. Uh even Wilderwing said, "Is Regenda available for the Calder? Does he make him uh make himself a case uh if he produces uh Wait, who? If, Regenda. He is eligible for the Calder. Mm. Does he make a case for himself? Who the I heck don't. is even up there in rookie scoring right now? Uh Maddie Baneers. Oh, uh, it's it's. I feel like Beniers has already won it just on narrative. <laughs> I think that McTavish is like McTavish could legitimately make a run for it if he's, he's got just a like not used in a like like he is right now.
0: I mean the way that like legitimately the way that uh Akins is using him is like it's like one step above how Shane Wright's being used in in when in Seattle. Like it's actually the leader in point scoring right now is uh, Matthias Maselli. so. Who's that? He's in Arizona. He's got ten points in fifteen games, only one goal. Uh, yeah, Shane Pinto is number two. Well, Beniers and Pinto are tied for number two. Cole Perfetti's number three. McTavish is three points away from the lead, so he's actually got a chance. Even which with is insane with
1: how he's been used. His points per game is definitely lower than some of these guys, but yeah, he's he's um, got a chance. Ray Gonzalez asked, "What do you th- make of Verbeek's silence?" I think it's normal. It's GMs 15 don't, games. Like, GMs think, don't talk that much. Yeah, there's just no reason for him to. Yeah. Although I am very curious when the next episode of The Beat comes out. I think it's been... It's interesting that there hasn't been a second episode of that because I think that would be a fascinating listen to right now. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I don't see any more questions, so let us know if you've got them. But I got not, asked
0: earlier, do I stand during the podcast? the answer yeah, is yes you stand during I, most of them i have a standing desk and i don't actually stand the majority of the time at my desk
1: but for the podcast i like to because this is fun yeah it does sound nice i wish i had actually gotten a standing desk although wouldn't work with my monitors and my my setup well you have a tv directly above so you yes have to, like and my see. monitors are wall mounted
0: oh yeah now that wouldn't work yeah um
1: so, but yeah, uh, I rec-
0: I recommend the standing desks uh, to anyone.
1: Um. Oh, I just realized, Full Gears this weekend. What? The next AEW pay per view. Maxwell J. Maxwell Jacob Friedman is Max Maxwell Jacob Friedman is going to be uh, crowned the new AEW champion, and Lou's gonna run around the block about it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: yeah. It, it's a. It's quite the it's quite the time in the sporting
1: world right now. Yeah. Yeah. You have USC and UCLA on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I I don't really care
0: about this, but I kind of care because it's just World
1: Cup starting.
0: D- drama is funny to me. Why? Why is Cristiano Ronaldo like slandering the entire Manchester United organization? No clue. Nicholas Rage
1: is saying he's going to get a ticket as local AMC to watch full yeah, game. Have that you sounds like this? fun. He, he's yeah. saying he's been like betrayed. Yeah. It's Chris. Like, it's, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, what do you expect? Not my goat. What do you expect? World hey, cup's man. happening. Who do you, who, uh, I think the yeah, there will be a game of the world cup has been played by the next time we do a podcast. Who do you have as your world cup winner? Uh, Canada. Wow. Yeah. Biased. Uh, who do I go with having done zero research on this at all? And I'm not going to say the U.S. because I think Berhalter has made awful decisions.
0: USA plays Wales next Monday.
1: Yeah. Um, who do I take? Crap, who do I... France. Uh, France is up there. You know what, I'm going to go with Argentina. Give Messi the send-off. Yeah, you've got uh, them, Brazil brazil should be good i mean england 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 should be good England always disappoints but they'll be up there i mean they've made finals recently they made the euro finals
0: yeah is spain where's spain at right now or
1: germany Uh, let's see i'm now going to 538 to see uh who is most likely to win and they don't have anything so i don't know england and usa being in the same group will be fun Yes, and Wales also. Yeah,
0: it's going to be. Yeah, Canada has Croatia and Belgium in their group, so that should that should go well.
1: Yeah, they're they're in a tough spot. Belgium Ch- is kind of,
0: Belgium's not as good as they used to be, though. Chills, chills when Canada gets the World Cup w- under
1: their belt. <laughs> I mean, it would be really cool if they made the knockout round. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, let's yeah. see. Sports Illustrated has Brazil, Germany in the final. Oh, oh wow. actually no. I have Den- I'm going to give I'm going to go with Denmark. Give Christian Eriksen the respect that he deserves. Didn't Denmark make like the, the semis in the Euro? Uh something like that with Christian after Christian Eriksen died on the field? Wow, just had to had to bring that up. What? He was brought back to life. His heart stopped on the pitch. Um and he's playing again. Put, put some respect on his name.
0: Uh yeah, I don't know. This
1: is this is it's just so weird to have a World Cup in this time of year. Lewis, get like... out of here saying he he's a United legend. He is a Tottenham legend. Stop. Um, um yeah. yeah, wild. World Cup going on, wrestling pay per views, hockey's in full swing. Anything to distract NFL, me from the, the Golden State foo- Warriors College football. Being bad. The college football playoffs are coming up soon. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, there's a lot
0: going on. Yeah, there's a lot. So if you're if you're down and out about the, the Ducks, well, there's plenty to distract you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I mean, I've said this. I, I said this on the late arrivals pod. Well, technically the stream. But if you're if you're a Ducks fan who's looking for a little more excitement on the ice. Stop. Uh, stop. The Montreal Canadiens are the best show in town right now. Stop. They are the best. They are the most exciting team in the league. And I, I genuinely believe that stop. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this thing. What's up? there to stop about? Let's this... wrap this thing up. Okay. Um, yeah. Tybalt. If, uh, if women Yama went, if, if the warriors get women Yama out of the season, I will be, I mean, it'll have been worth it. Okay. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. And, uh, if you want to help us keep this thing going, if you want to support the show, There's a few different ways that you can do that. The number one way, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash pond. For a dollar a month, you can join our patrons-only Discord. It's a great community. Honestly, it's worth it. Um, And for $5 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes. You can also leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, And if you leave us a review, we will read it on the show. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. We're also on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe there and uh, turn on your notifications. Check out our website, CrashThePawn.com. And uh, check out the Sporting Tribune. We've got articles going up there, theSportingTribune.com. Uh, find us on Twitter, at Felix underscore and at ReindeerGames91. That's Jake's handle. Follow us there uh, to get all the content. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.